Rock of Ages, Rock of Ages, John 3.16, King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life.
appreciate the kids. They sure did a good job this morning. Um, I appreciate everybody that's made an effort to be out here this morning, especially our visitors. Um, Ryan Carter got a hold of me last night. He went with the youth group up to Pleasant View. And we need to really remember that service up there. And I'm excited about the service here this morning. I got to thinking after he got a hold of me uh, about Sunday school. And, uh, I've learned a lot through life, Kay. But I'm glad that my foundation was started when I was a little boy. And even the Sunday school classes back then has just helped me along my way. And I appreciate people that's willing to bring their kids out to have that foundation. So we'll ask this time if uh, Jay would pray dismissal of Sunday school. certainly desire your prayers this morning studying this lesson and kind of been going back and forth with it all week and last night I had a chance to sit down and just focus on this for a couple hours and uh, pretty much the first thought that came to my mind was how insignificant I am I, I just don't feel worthy whatsoever to stand up in front of this church and, and act like I'm going to teach something. Uh, but then God come along and said, you're not teaching, I am. If I can just get myself out of the way and let God do what he wants to do, uh, then we might be able to learn something. Uh, this, we're in uh, James chapter 2. Verse 1, and uh, it starts out, says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Uh, I'm going to jump back to Matthew chapter 
19. verse 16 through 22 it said and behold one came and said unto him good master what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life and he said unto him why callest thou me good there is none good but one that is God but if thou wilt enter into life keep the commandments he saith unto him which Jesus said Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Uh, <clears throat> this lesson today uh, is, is centered on James admonishing this church for being respecters of, per, of persons, for, for treating rich people better than they treated poor people. I don't know a whole lot of background to where this church was at or what it was all about, but uh, the fact remains they were uh, apparently, from, from what I read, they were given the, the wealthy, the, the privileges and, and pushing the poor off to the side and saying just be quiet and mind your business and stay out of the way. Verse 2 says, For if, if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. I thought a lot about this and uh, I looked at my own life and I can't say that I've never done that uh, there's been I, I think it to me it's just a uh, maybe a, a natural thing in our own mind uh, if I'm out somewhere and I see somebody that's gives the appearance of being wealthy uh, that seems like a good person to make contact with you know just just in a, on a natural standpoint it seems like that'd be a good friend to have good you know a good person to be acquainted with whereas if you see somebody that's maybe a panhandler on the street that has a tin cup or something and he's begging for money that seems like a person that we just want to go across the street and get away from. Uh, I went back and read about the Good Samaritan. Uh, the, the people that was supposed to be religious went across the street, like I said, and, and went away from the, from the fellow that needed help. And the Samaritan come along and he seen that that, that that guy needed help and he went and helped him. He didn't ask him if he had any money to pay him back. He just went and helped him and did what he could. 
And that's what this whole lesson is about, is, is doing right no matter who that person is, um, especially as a church. Uh, I looked at this a lot in studying it. Uh, I looked a lot at a lot of it just based on my own personal life, which is why I, I guess I just that's the way I've learned to read the Bible is put it in my own life. As a, it's just personal to me. Uh, but if you look at it personal, I would guess we're probably all been guilty at one point or another of, of judging people by the way they look, or what they have. Uh, but more importantly than that, I got to thinking last night about the position of the church. Uh, this this uh, verse 2 says, For if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring, uh, if we're getting ready to start church up in here and, and uh, some people that we don't know come in the back door and they're wearing silk suits and, and shiny shoes, we shouldn't grab them and offer them a seat on the front bench and then tell a, a poor fellow that comes in, just sit right back there. That, that would be the worst thing we could possibly do to show God to anybody. Uh, we should have the same treatment of both of those fellows, regardless of what they look like or what they smell like or any of that because that's what Jesus would have done. Uh, when Jesus told that fellow I read in Matthew, go and sell all that you have, I don't believe that there's anything wrong with having a little money or having a nice house or having a nice car. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it gets in the way of serving God, then it's a problem. And... Too many times we see, uh, and we'll get to that in this lesson, we see wealthy people that, that got too much going on, they don't have time to serve the Lord. They're either too busy working to keep that money coming in, or they're too busy fi figuring out some way to spend that money. They ain't got time to go to the house of the Lord. And that's why Jesus told that fellow, go and sell all you have, because he... Jesus knew that guy loved his money more than he wanted to serve God. And if we're not careful, we'll fall into that same position. Uh, I've always said there's no way in the world I'll ever be rich because God knows my heart. And if I was rich, I'd be gallivanting all over the world, traveling and seeing things instead of being here on Sunday morning. Uh, not that I desire that. I desire to be here, but I know myself well enough to know that that's probably what I'd do. Uh, but we'll go on in ahead and read this. Verse 4 says, Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Uh, back to the two poor guy and the rich guy come in. Uh, if we judge them based on what they look like, we are entertaining evil thoughts. It says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? 
we see over and over through the Bible the, the ones that Jesus showed favor to, most of them didn't have two dimes to rub together. Uh, the ones that Jesus healed, most of them were beggars sitting on the side of the road somewhere that nobody else cared to lick about. But Jesus seen them and seen that they was in need, and that's who he came to help, was those that was in need. It says, but ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. The rich, and I kind of struggle with this verse a little bit, but there are a lot of times where wealthy people will look down their nose at you and, and you know, treat you the way this lesson says not to treat people, really. Uh, and they don't want anything to do with God because they, they think they got enough money to buy whatever they want. They don't need God. But at the same time, the reason I kind of struggle with this verse is, is I don't want to, I don't ever in my mind want to flip-flop things and treat the poor good and treat the rich bad just because they got money. Uh, we all need Jesus. Right from the, from the poorest beggar right to the richest king, every one of us need Jesus. And uh, I like to believe that if I ever had a chance to meet the prince of Saudi Arabia, that I would, try, I would pray to say something to help him find Jesus. If I met the king of England, same thing. Or if I was in a ghetto somewhere talking to some beggars, I would want them to know that there's help for them. Uh, the reason the poor were chosen by God, or according to this lesson, says, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith? Uh, I've been down that road. I've been on the road, on the street, scraping by just to try to get something to eat. Uh, it's easier... I think, to know that you have a need and to know that there is a God that can help you when you have nothing. Uh, when you have a little something, you start getting a little confidence in me. And I don't need God so much because I can do this myself. And I get in trouble at work all the time because of that, not doing anything wrong, but just trying to do my daily job. If I leave God out of it, I'll mess something up every day. But if I go to work and I sing the songs as I am as I'm working and I'm in the constant prayerful mind, the night will go by real quick and everything will go nice and smooth and, and things will be the way they're supposed to be. Uh, but anytime we leave God out of the equation, there's going to be problems. And the more that I think I can do for myself, the more I'm going to leave God out. Uh, says, verse 7 says, Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called. Uh, there again, I, I hate to blame the rich for that because I've got people at work that will give me a hard time any chance they get because they know I go to, that I'm a church-going fella and that they know I'm not like them. And 
there's one guy in particular over there at work that'll just get on me all the time and he doesn't he tries to do it in a funny way but it's not funny to me he 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 just is down on the church and down on people going to church and making fun of it and i told my wife not too long ago i said i'm about this close to inviting him to come to church with me sometime some sunday because i guarantee if i could get him here he'd learn something and maybe that's why he makes so much fun of it, because he knows there's something he's missing. I've, I've prayed several times, God, let me be a help to this fellow. Uh, but it said, verse 8 says, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Uh, I've read several different places this week that incorporated that scripture I think the first time they said it was Leviticus 19 and it, it was used by different people and Jesus throughout the Bible uh, I think double check here but I think it's Matthew 22 I thought I had it marked but I guess I don't yeah 22 and 37 says Jesus said it to them thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, if we love our neighbor, uh, there, and there was, I read a place this morning that uh, where the uh, lawyer or scribe or somebody asked Jesus, who's our neighbor? And he read him the parable and, and uh, pretty much anybody anybody we come in contact with God tells us to love them as we love ourselves and I, I don't know about other people but sometimes I love myself pretty good and other times I can't hardly stand me um, but I think that just goes hand in hand with how we treat everybody around us you know, I love my kids and my grandkids to death, and sometimes I can't hardly stand them. Uh, but even when I can't stand them, I love them. So if if I can put just step myself back out of the way a minute, and I look at how my grandkids treat me sometimes, and it just makes my blood boil, and I just want to knock them in the head sometimes. They just and other times I just they they're so nice and loving and I hold them on my lap and cuddle them and and just it don't get any better than that but if I go out to work and this fellow at work he comes up to me and sometimes he just wants to be friendly and nice and, t and sh you know talk to me and have a conversation and then other times he'll come at me and make fun of the church and make fun of the fact that I go to church make fun of God uh, 
regardless of how he acts, if I want to make an impression on his life, I've got to be the same with him every time I talk to him. If I'm different one time to the next, I'm liable to ruin my influence with him or with anybody else that might be there looking. Uh, but if we love our neighbor as ourselves, Like I just read, that's, that goes hand in hand with loving God with everything we've got. Verse 9 says, But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Uh, I've heard people over the years say that there's no big sins and no little sins. Uh, I don't know if I quite agree with that or not. But a sin is a sin. And verse 10 says, For whoever, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So even though there might be some sins that are worse than others, um, committing adultery would probably be a lot worse than just telling a little white lie. But... The fact remains, if you tell that little white lie, you have committed a sin and therefore guilty of breaking the law. And in God's law, there's only one verdict. If you break the law in the, in the state of Ohio, it depends on what you've done as to what your sentence is going to be. You might get a, a fine and, and sent on your way, or you might go to prison for the rest of your life, depending on what law you broke. But if you break God's law, there's only one sentence, and that's separation from God. Uh, I mean, the main, the main law is you have to be saved to make it into heaven. Uh, if you're not saved, you're not going to make it to heaven. If you are saved and you break that law, there's repentance involved. I've heard it said over and over all my life, this is a repentant way. And I, I have to do that daily, seems like. I, I, I struggle a lot. Sometimes, sometimes I go along, seems like everything's nice and smooth. And other times I just have to bite my tongue a lot and, and hide myself away and ask forgiveness. And it doesn't matter what we do, that's the, pen, the penalty for breaking the law is we have to go to God and repent. Otherwise, we will not be in fellowship with God. Verse 11 says, For he, said, for he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. And you could go down through the list of things that, that the Bible is against and any one of them you could interchange with that, with that sentence. Uh, if, you, if you go out and run to the bar, uh, I had a guy at work retired not long ago and they had his, gra or his graduation, his retirement party at the bar down the road from the plant. And uh, they all, 
it was a bunch of them telling me, man, you, you got to come down. It's Dave's uh, uh, retirement party. I said, I can't come down there. They said, you don't have to drink. You can just come in and have a Mountain Dew and hang out for a little while. And I said, yeah, I could. I said, but what if I'm coming out the door and somebody driving down the street sees me come out of that place? They don't know what I've been doing, and they're going to automatically assume that I've done wrong. Bible says to eschew the very appearance of evil. So if we stay away from it, we won't have that problem. But just even that, being in a place we shouldn't be in, even if we've done no other wrong, we could put it in that sentence and it would fit that we've become a transgressor of the law. Um, to go even further with that, if I'm sitting down here on the front bench on a Sunday morning and God says, get up and sing a song, and I sat there and go, oh, no, I can't do that, and I let that spirit get away, I could put that in that sentence. I've done wrong. And sin is sin. Just like God is no respecter of persons, which is the, the first part of this lesson, and that's the biggest thing I got out of this lesson while I was studying it. The first part of this lesson was all about God not respecting persons, and we shouldn't either. And the second part of this lesson is God don't respect it to the sin. Any of it is sin, and God's answer to all of it is the same thing. Uh, but verse 12 says, So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. We're all judged by the same God. And as far as judging goes, I, uh, I've made the comment many times, especially at work, people know I'm a Christian and they automatically assume I'm judging them. Uh, and I tell people all the time, it ain't my business what you do. Jesus, Jesus said, I came not into the world to judge the world, <clears throat> but to seek and to save that which was lost. If Jesus himself did not come into this world to judge the world, then by what right do I think I've got to judge anything? God is the only judge. The only, just I read here the other day uh, where it said to, not to call no man father, because there's only one father. And I think somewhere in there it said not to judge because there was only one judge, and that was our heavenly father. God will judge all things. I have no right to judge anything. And then it all goes right back to the rich man and the poor man walking in here. It's not my place to judge which one of them needs help. They might both need to get saved. Or the rich man might need help, and the poor man might be okay. I don't know these things, but anybody got anything? I'm about out.
Yeah. Anybody else got anything? same way about that it's like I said and, and the more like I said like I said earlier the more money we got or the more the more access we have to different things the more faith we're going to have in our own ability uh, where like I said when I was in a bad place and living on the streets I didn't have nothing but God to rely on I couldn't do nothing for myself Anybody else got any thoughts? I figured Don would have something. I saw, a, I saw a thing on Facebook the other day. I was scrolling through there. It was a, <clears throat> a video, actually kind of a long video, but it had uh, all these little children, uh, anywhere from toddlers wearing diapers up to about 
eight or nine years old looked like. And it was just little clips of different situations. And it was, uh, I don't know, things like one kid would fall down and be crying and the other kid would run over and grab him and love on him, you know, and, or, or pick something up and give it to another one or just all kinds of different things and little kids helping each other out and, and showing love to one another. And the caption on the whole video was, God didn't want us to act like adults. Because, you know, we get to be adults and we, we see somebody struggling a little bit and it's our tendency to maybe not see that because we just ain't got the time or the resources to help right now. And, and my life's more important than anybody else's, so, you know, I don't have time to help somebody when, when they're down. And that's not the way God intended for us to act. He intended for us to put ourselves behind everybody else and, and to help where we could. But I appreciate your prayers if nobody else has got anything.
I just thought, you know, in, in my own self, I, I guess I've been putting a lot of emphasis this morning on having a lot of money or, or having uh, what you need, maybe a little more than what you need, makes it a little easier to be uh, taking credit for a lot of God's work. But at the same time, if you flip that coin, and I, I'm, like you said, I'm terrible about this is I'll pray and I'll ask God, give me a place to fit into the church. Give me a job. Give me something to do. Give me a song to sing. And then when he gives me something, I say, I'm not worthy of that. I can't do that. And, and, and like that's why I said this morning when I stood up, you know, I've, I've struggled with this spot right here. Dad's asked me a couple different times if I thought I'd want to get up here and fill in for him and I look at this church with real high regard and I feel like I'm the least in it and I don't have any business being up here making any pretense of being a teacher 